This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your desktop or mobile device. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trek FM. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. these books i thought i'd take some light reading in case i got bored welcome everyone to trek fm's dedicated books and comic show stress on the comics tonight i am just one of the hosts here just one of the the people that comes to you every week to talk about this and i'm joined by two illustrious gentlemen amazing men one wearing a batman shirt bruce gibson Bruce, what you were wearing the same Batman shirt last week. That's what's funny. <laughs> well, it's like my podcasting uniform, I guess, as of now. Oh, okay. But to be honest okay. with you, it's my I wear this to bed at night. So after the show, I go straight to bed. So I'm dressed ah. for bed. If Wait you, a minute, Bruce. I'm I'm noticing a lot more stubble on your face today. Have you just been sitting there for the entire past week? You figured it out. I have not moved from here. I've just been reading Star Trek books, waiting for this next show. I haven't used the bathroom, a shower. I haven't gone outside, and I haven't had anything to eat in seven days. This show just got really weird. Dan, save us. Uh, how's it going, man? Uh, not too bad. Finding out a lot more about Bruce today than I anticipated. But uh, yeah, no, not bad at all. Happy to be here as usual. Yeah, you know what's great is that's eternal. That that recording right there, that's that's <laughs> going to be there for a long time. I mean, I don't know if it'll be here for eternity, but it's going to be there for a while, folks. So, yeah, we learned a lot about Bruce today, and uh, we're going to learn a lot about the brand new, in our new segment, Rise of the Federation book, which has a new blurb. Dan, what have we got coming for us? Excellent. Yeah, Rise of the Federation Patterns of Interference by Christopher L. Bennett. The time has come to act. Following the destructive consequences of the Ware Crisis, Admiral Jonathan Archer and Section 31 Agent Trip Tucker both attempt to change their institutions to prevent further such tragedies. Archer pushes for a Starfleet directive of non-interference, but he faces opposition from allies within the fleet and unwelcome support from adversaries who wish to drive the Federation into complete isolationism. Meanwhile, Tucker plays a dangerous game against the corrupt leaders of Section 31, hoping to bring down their conspiracy once and for all. We know he'll uh, succeed at that, right? <clears throat> but is he willing uh, to is jeopardize... Is Bashir going to go back in time and like uh, him and... Is that what control is? Yeah. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Oh, maybe it's something he set up in these early days and they're tying it all together. There you go! That would be awesome! That would be really cool. 
But is he willing to jeopardize Archer's efforts and perhaps the fate of an entire world in order to win? Ooh. I like this. This sounds really good. It actually sounds like that it will be a little bit... I mean, story sounds epic, but it sounds like that it's going to be a little bit more focused on just a couple of plot lines, and I'm really excited to dig into both of these. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited too. Well... I, I'm excited about this. It all sounds good, but there isn't anything really earth-shattering revealing in this description because this is all hinted at in the end of the last book. So this is consistent with where I knew this would probably be going. But I'm glad to hear that because that's that's what I'm expecting. So th- this is awesome. Well, it's pretty cool because we're getting you know another prime directive argument but it's the first one, so that's pretty cool. I think that the idea of understanding how that came to be and why it came to be and the fact that Archer would be involved in that, mm-hmm. uh, it just makes complete sense. And I'm, I'm really excited to see this play out in the story. I think it's going to be a lot of uh, fun. It's going to be very interesting. And uh, I'm also interested to see as well if... Trip is able to have some impact on Section 31. So maybe the reason that it takes so long for it to get to where it is is because of what he is able to do. Maybe he is able to cripple it in some way so that mm-hmm. it takes it longer to get to the, back to the point where you know we're with control <laughs> and where Bashir is. So I think that would be really neat uh, and an interesting way to tie together those two very far apart parts of the Star Trek universe because you know we're finally getting that final story at least for Bashir in that and so yeah I I love this I'm super excited and honestly I think anytime there's more just Archer and Tucker involved in the plot line at least just from the blurb I'm excited because those are two of my all-time favorite characters in Enterprise dude that's what I was gonna say yeah (laughs) <laughs> sorry bruce my bad <laughs> no that's good i mean that it's exactly it i was like i i don't know there's just something about archer and trip just a, it, it seems like it's it's a basic story like it just feels like enterprise if it's i guess the thing is it's not focused so much on the founding of the federation and there's all these things going on and and to polls over there and reads over here or whatever it's like it's going to be Archer and it's going to be Trip and they're going to take down the institutions. Like that just sounds awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I do have to say also there is precedent for the tying together of, you know, the two, you know, in Destiny we had stuff linking back to Enterprise. So I think that would be a really cool kind of um, uh, mirror for that, you know, having, you know, kind of another tie to centuries earlier, the founding of the Federation and and the roots of Section 31 and, you know, maybe pulling it apart in ways that we never thought of. That's pretty cool. I'm since you brought that up, I'm like really stoked about that. idea. <laughs> <laughs> it just it it was an interesting idea. And it only came to me thinking well, we're going to get that book, though. You know, we're, we're getting those two books at the same time. So maybe that's something that they kind of have been working a little bit in tandem with. And that to me is is very exciting. Obviously, the Star Trek authors are known for trying to make sure that everything fits together in the universe as they're creating it now. So I'm super excited about that thought. Um, Which leads me to one of the things that uh, we've talked about on the show 
a bit is the fact that the Waypoint comic number two would be coming out and we would be getting a wonderful homage to one of our favorite things to do on the show, which is talk about Gold Key Comics. And I have to say that um, this is just dang near perfection this first part of this Waypoint 2 uh, here with Dayton and Kevin. I mean, they just... When a Star Trek comic and a Gold Key comic turns into Rock'em Sock'em Robots, <laughs> you know it's going to be awesome. Yeah, this this was a lot of fun. Um, you know, as soon as you flip to that first page and you see that kind of faded, old-style newsprint look, <laughs> I was like, okay, this is going to be pretty great. And yeah, I mean, they do a really great job here, uh, kind of emulating that old style and and making it feel really campy and quirky and fun. And, uh, you know, it's exactly what I'm expecting when I when I look at a gold key comic. And I think this is a really nice little homage to those. It feels very much like Saturday morning cartoons, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it just has that feel to it. And that's what the Gold Key comics had, too. But I like how the very first page is, it starts off with, you know, a tease of what is going to happen later in the story, just like the Gold Keys did. It would like something where we're being attacked by a monster or something. And in this case, we're being attacked by robots. Uh, and you're like, what is going on? And then the story starts on the next page. But it's usually that first page is usually the most campy, most over the top scene that they create. It doesn't even fall exactly sometimes what's going on in the story. It just is so mm-hmm. outlandish. And that's exactly what they did here. And it's so funny to start that way and to also see that the gold tunics are green. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really awesome. I, I, I can't say enough for how much I just enjoyed reading this. Uh, it, it was to me, absolute utter homage and nostalgic perfection i i i really really enjoyed this i think this is the thing that makes this waypoint comic so much fun this opportunity to just explore parts of the star trek universe that we might not explore like this and i think there is really a place for gold key especially you know having gone through a bunch of them uh we'll be finishing up volume three soon here on the show as well it's just an indelible part of Star Trek now to me. And I, I like that. I know that because of this show. And I also like that Dayton and Kevin just, you know, they, they took a chance and it pays off beautifully. Yeah. And I mean, they know their stuff, you know, Spock's ears are, are just slightly pointier and taller than usual. You've got flames rocketing out of the warp engines and to top it all off, you've got a generic bald alien race that we're saving <laughs> that always seems to kind of be the background guys in the gold key comics. So, yeah, they really know their stuff. And I feel like if we hadn't been reading the gold key comics, a lot of this might go over our heads. So I'm really glad we've been doing those to really appreciate uh, what they've done here. Only one thing they get wrong. There was nobody that was bored. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's true. No bored despots. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But you're right. I it, If you haven't read the Gold Key comics and you hadn't even heard that this is going to be in that style, if you pick this up on the shelf and you start reading this, you'd probably be like, 
oh my gosh, these Waypoint comics suck. These are just terrible. Like, I mean, I would hope that somebody picks on the fact that this is supposed to be fun, that this is supposed to be campy and not just hand it to their kids and say, obviously this is written for you because it's, it's not adult enough for me. But, you know, and then, and, and even though, and it doesn't even represent my kind of Star Trek because, you know, when they see the Klingons, they, they shoot, they arm yourselves, shoot now it's Klingons. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but I think if you start going through it more, you'll see little things like there's a certain cartoon character that's known for comics that actually appears on the bridge. And if you don't pick that up, that Archie is on the bridge, then, you know, it, the, you know then you know if you know it's archie you know that this is for fun did you guys notice that was know who the oh, redhead there he is, is. Huh. <laughs> yeah that's really funny i totally I missed that. that i have to admit <laughs> so archie oh, comics man. you know yeah that's fantastic uh so what did you guys think about uh the second story that we get uh the the legacy story here uh, i have to say i really loved this one too I it totally surprised me and it's it's kind of funny because I've always wondered just a little bit about that character because um that is you know something that I kind of noticed watching through the original series she's really the only uh woman who's kind of brutally killed on an away mission like that to the point where when I first saw the episode I remember thinking oh well I know which one that has been crushed it's the guy and then when they re appear him i was totally shocked so you know it's really interesting to get kind of a bit of background on this character even though it's just kind of retconned into the into the series a bit but you know it it was used to tell a really cool really interesting story that kind of almost stands for um the broader idea of the red shirt like you know these these aren't just generic people that are going and getting exploded by exploding rocks and lightning bolts you know they had their stories and they had their contributions and lives outside of that as well and I, I thought that was just a really nice little story here so this is kind of going back to what we were saying about the earlier comic if you didn't know what this was supposed to be you might be scratching your head saying have they lost their minds well when i got to this one i really didn't know what to expect when it first started off i i was unsure is this supposed to be serious or funny i wasn't I wasn't really exactly sure where this was going, but I really got invested in it because we are like, I had no idea that are we mentioning who this is, by the way, this officer that dies or are we like hiding that? Oh, it's, um, do we, can uh, we say Leslie? I yeah, think I think, think we so, can yeah. say. Okay. So Leslie Thompson, she mentions that she's the only woman, Dan, as you were saying, the only woman to die on a away mission under Kirk's five-year mission. And it never dawned on me. And it may have on you, but I never noticed that, oh yeah, there was only this one woman in by any other name, that episode that 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 died. And we see her talking about all these little things she's done behind the scenes before her death that really she's almost like the Wesley Crusher of the Enterprise. But no one knew about it. She was always saving the ship, but no one even seemed to recognize that. And it was just a fun story. I loved it. I I love her little rolling her eyes when oh, I I assume the other guys being back at the same time. She's like, oh my god, yes, I took care of. Jeez, okay. <laughs> it was a very humorous way of getting the point across that there were more than 
just the main cast on the Enterprise and that they mattered. And I liked that. Um, I also thought it was interesting, too, the way in which they worked in the Kelvin timeline uniforms for the Prime timeline, uh, that the uh, cadet uniforms, they were the red uh, that you see. And so, yeah, I thought it was good. You know, it, it, it wasn't, like, revolutionary or anything, but I thought it was a, as a strong finish to this issue. So, uh, you know, Waypoint for me has been a lot of fun so far and very interesting. You know, it, it, if anything, I think that's the, the, the best part about it. it. It's been interesting how they're taking it. And what's kind of great about it is you, you don't really know what you're going to get when you open it up. It is kind of a little bit of a surprise, but that makes it so much fun to see, okay, where and how are they going to explore the Star Trek universe in a way I just haven't seen yet. So I, I really enjoyed that. It's Cracker Jacks. You open it up and you don't know what that prize is going to be. So that's the Waypoint comics. You just don't know what yeah. you're going to get. But it's going to be fun. <laughs> that's a great way of putting it. I love that. And by the way, the way this story ended, I'm not going to reveal it, but it. Um, did you recognize the person at the end? or Because I had to kind of do a double take and think, wait, is that who I think it is? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that was a really nice touch, you know. And again, yeah, I don't really want to give it away, but it was pretty cool that, you know, this person provided inspiration for uh, other women in Starfleet. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, guys, I, I just, I, I think Waypoint's been great. I can't wait for this new Enterprise book to come out. And so uh, before we hit the feature uh, there's a few things that people should know. Obviously, uh, you can find all the shows here on Trek FM on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Trek FM, where we are a featured provider. And uh, while you're there checking out the shows, hit Literary Treks up with a star rating and review and help the show grow. It, there's just nothing better. I know we say it a lot, but it, it really is true. It helps more people find the show. So uh, we hope that you will do that. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Trek FM, and of course, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. Now, Bruce, there's also something even more special than just our Facebook page. Where can people go on Facebook that they're really going to want to join if they're listening to Trek FM shows? Why, thank you, Matthew. That's correct. There is something more and better on Facebook than just the regular Facebook page. It's the Babel Conference. So if you go into the search field, in Facebook, you can type in the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into that search field, and it will take you to the page that you can join our group, and we will just approve you and get you into this closed discussion group about Star Trek. Or you can even go to Trek FM and click on the discussion on the menu, and it'll take you to this section. Dan, we do have something very special for Literary Treks, which is our Goodreads group and tell everybody what we've got over there for them and how it can really help them, especially if they're listening to literary tracks. Absolutely. Well, as a lot of people know, goodreads.com is a great place to keep track of books you're reading. And that holds true for our podcast here as well. We're on Goodreads. Just search for literary treks on goodreads.com and you'll find our group there. Uh, just click join and one of us will let you write in. In that group, you can find bookshelves with all of the books we've covered in previous episodes of Literary Treks, as well as a bookshelf featuring books that are coming up in future episodes. So if you want to get a head start and follow along as the episodes come out, it's a really great way to keep track of what's coming up there. 
And of course, there are also really great discussions happening about any and all books in the Star Trek universe. Tonight, guys, we're going to be doing something fun, something we've not done before, which is talk about some comics in the New Frontier series. And uh, as everybody will know, last year we went through the Returned ebook series. We I got a chance to talk to Peter David about that series as well and kind of get a little insight. Now diving into these comics, really interesting for me, not being somebody who's read most of the New Frontier series. So I'm turning to my experts, Master Dan and Master Bruce. What time period for New Frontier is this in? And, and, and maybe a little bit of background, like what would it be important for somebody to know about New Frontier coming into this comic series? Okay, so yeah, that is something that's really uh, unique about New Frontier is that uh, it is ever-changing. So there are different circumstances. Each new book kind of advances the story forward. And this comic does take place at a very specific time in the New Frontier timeline, and that's uh, right after the novel Missing in Action. So uh, there's been a lot of developments. Uh, Soleda is no longer on the ship. She's uh, on this uh, crazy super-secret Romulan ship now that has this amazing cloaking device. Dr. Solar and Bergy have, have had their kid, and he's grown up really, really fast. <laughs> And he's the science officer on the Excalibur now. C. Quan has just recently died. And uh, Robin Leffler is on New Thalon, uh, kind of taking his throne at the moment. It's it's one of, the, one of those things, like if you're not familiar with New Frontier, it sounds absolutely nuts. There's a ton that happens in this series. And, uh, you know, there's it's it's a lot to really get set up for where this comic takes place. There is so much that goes on in the series, and this comic, this graphic novel, takes place more towards the the latter part of it. So if you made a timeline of New Frontier, this one takes place just like prior to the last three books, and that's uh, counting The Return as the last book. It's right before those last three books. So there's a lot of history behind all these characters and these situations. And so coming into this, you might be a little confused and wondering why certain characters are, are doing what they're doing or, or, or what's their story behind them. Um, so, you, I, of course, I've read the book, so I wasn't lost. But some of these things I had forgotten about. I had to go, wait, what was, wait, what, why was this person here or what, what happened you know, when did he die? I thought that was later or earlier or whatever. So it can get a bit confusing, but it, it's a fun read. Yeah, definitely. This is one of those instances where I really wish there was a Star Trek encyclopedia as thorough as the one we just recently got, but for the book universe. And Memory Beta is really good, uh, but there are a lot of things that uh, that aren't included there that people haven't added to some of the pages that would really help fill in the blanks. Uh, as someone who's very familiar with New Frontier, even me, like I, I haven't read it in years. So I found myself looking back and trying to figure out, oh, where was this character? What's going on here exactly? Just like you there. Well, and Mark McHenry, uh, which you'll find in this graphic novel, is like this godlike being. Well, he's a descendant of Apollo. So mm -hmm. from uh, the original series. 
And so uh, that's why he's got certain powers, but he gets more powers later in another book, but that's his backstory on him. So there are uh, a quite unique characters and species in this crew that you may not be familiar with. It is nice that I had read The Return because I was familiar with most everyone. And what was kind of nice about comics, and, and this is something I would love to see for all the comics uh, and for all the books out there, especially the Waypoint now, give us comics that involve characters that we've never seen on screen before. So we kind of had an idea of what they look like, especially say like on the Titan where there's all those super interesting aliens. But sometimes it can be hard to understand what they actually look like. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I really liked about this is that, you know, it brought to, to life those characters that I'd only read about. So now you get to see and, and it, it brings a whole new level. And that's one of the fun things about doing comics is you get that opportunity, which honestly is just fantastic. Well, that, and, and I mean, that's another thing about New Frontier. And I, I think we said this when we talked about The Returned as well. Uh, the characters in New Frontier really, really lend themselves to the comic medium because, and, and I mean, you know, a lot of people know this, Peter David is a comic writer. Like that's a big part of his career. And I feel like the characters he writes tend to be larger than life and fit really well in comics. So you know the new frontier crew the new frontier crew here really felt at home in this medium uh i mean zach kebron you can make a lot of jokes in in print about his physicality and his size but there's just something about seeing it on the page of him you know gripping the head of a romulan and saying or i could just crush your head <laughs> you know there's just something that really looks great in a comic book, seeing that visual. He's almost like the thing from Fantastic Four. <laughs> I hadn't even oh, totally. thought about it when I read the novels, but until I saw the comic, it made me think of him. And yeah, Matt, you're right too about um, Titan. I would love to see visual representation of all the different crew members, because when you read a book, we have our own interpretation. And I think that's great that we have our own way of visualizing these characters but then when you see it in a comic it kind of lets you know where the author is how that Mm -hmm. person visualizes what the character looks like because they communicate that to the artist so having read a lot of these new frontier comics the visual representation of the characters didn't really sway too far from what I had pictured because they've also been represented a lot on the covers of the book. So I already had a good Mm -hmm. idea of what they look like. And this is actually the second comic. There was an earlier version. I think it was, it wasn't a full graphic novel, I don't think, but there was an earlier version comic too that had come out like a few years previous to this one. Well, and, and I have to ask you guys, because this is, this is one of the interesting things. Uh, I think on a whole, if I were to kind of categorize New Frontier after reading a little bit of it now, I really feel like that it, it almost fits better in more like a Kelvin timeline feel to it because there's so much that's kind of heightened off the wall. It, you know, Star Trek has certain boxes around it for the most part and this kind of breaks everything down and it's it's almost like 
Star Wars and kind of a Lord of the Rings feel and Star Trek all had a baby and that's what you get with New Frontier. So and, and even just the very first page of the comic feels like the Kelvin timeline when this ship has nacelles the size of like Kansas. <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah, exactly. This this ship even has humongous Kelvinverse nacelles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you you raise a good point. Um, Mackenzie Calhoun is very much, uh, I w- almost in the same vein as the Kelvin timeline Kirk, like very much an impulsive mm-hmm. brash take action, you know, kind of what people think of as, as Kirk in the original series, but he wasn't really, that's kind of a bit of a caricature. Uh, but, but yeah, Mackenzie Calhoun really embodies a lot of those characteristics for sure. I I'm a big fan of Peter David and he hasn't written as much Star Trek in the last several years as he used to. And when he would write for the next generation, I always thought he really brought out those characters more so than what we saw on the television series. And I thought he really worked well with the original series crew, but um, with new frontier, it always seemed kind of like what you were saying, Matt, almost like a different universe, but I always thought of it as, being this is the Star Trek series that if it was on TV, it would be the HBO version. It's is what is yeah. on HBO um, because it's over the some of these characters are over the top. The situations are just kind of crazy. And as you read the stories, as you go through, it just gets, you know, the situations get a little more and more bizarre and crazy. And there is a fantasy feel to it. Um, so it's and there's, you know a few sex scenes in all the new frontier stories, including this book too. So again, that's something you would expect to see on HBO. So it's, it's, um, game of new frontiers. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true because even in the comic, I mean, there's points where characters are just hitting on other characters and, and it just feels kind of out of place and, and really just it does almost just feel like Game of Thrones where you kind of know that they throw in nudity shots for nudity shots sake sometimes I'm re- I was reading this and I was like really like that the the Romulan characters in the story um, Soleta and the other one they're like well we've got time and so their first thing is to start <laughs> stripping on the bridge. Like, really? Really? That's that's what you're going to... I mean, okay, sure. Don't sit in that chair. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you're all alone on a big, huge Romulan ship. No one else is around. Eh, why not? Just, uh, you know, don't sit on the matter, antimatter containment field deactivation button, and I guess you're fine. Yeah, you might want to make sure that everything's kind of locked, you know, so you don't actually (laughs) sit on the wrong thing and, you know, blow yourself up. (laughs) Butt dial Romulus. Whoops. Oh, (laughs) there's nothing worse than butt dialing Romulus and and having, you know, the big view screen come on when you're (laughs) in the middle of some some get togethers. Um, I've never heard of butt dialing in Star Trek. That's so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, apparently it can happen. It can only happen on... Game of New Frontier Thrones. So, 
Right. Well, Riker sits on the consoles enough that I really hope they've solved that problem by then. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. you're right. He's yeah. He's got That's... to be the character that butt dials. But, you know, the thing about Peter David in these books, too, so when we say that there's these kind of scenes, these sex scenes, or, or there's this flirtation, it's like it, it plays up. And it's not just this book, but others. But it just, it, it's not just, oh, this two, this couple has hooked up. They'll these other people will rib them of the situation and it just keeps coming up. And so there's a lot of interplay in a teasing way with these characters. There's a lot of teasing going on, a lot of humor into the writing. And sometimes I think it really works well, especially when Peter writes a book like with Q and Lexwana Troy going at it with each <laughs> other. But, you know, and then there's times where you read New Frontier and you go, eh, that's a little much. That's eh, a little out there. Would really Starfleet officers act that way? I mean, I almost expect the bickering Bixleys to show up sometimes in these. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely something when it works well, I'm I'm crying laughing. For some reason, one thing that was really getting me was the extended um there there'd be like a frame of a joke of some kind mm-hmm. and then a frame immediately after it of a character rolling their eyes <laughs> i don't know what it was but like the third or fourth time that happened i was i was laughing my head off because when you're reading the new frontier novels if the humor's working well that's what you're doing too you're looking away from the page and rolling your eyes but you're enjoying it too you know as long as it's working well and i really loved some of those moments uh it is funny, um, you know, there, there, and it is, again, it has just such a heightened sense of, of everything about it. And it is a completely different brand, I think, of Star Trek. And, and almost, again, I, I think it's, it feels in a lot of ways the direction they took the Kelvin timeline a little bit, but it, it, that even seems reserved compared to what they do uh in new frontier so yeah it's very different and this one is is an interesting story just because uh what happens here is and and they don't realize this till quite late on in the book but it's it's pretty basic plot calhoun from the mirror universe has found his way into our universe by accident and finds out that there's this new basically time ship because the, the the new propulsion system that the federation has created that they're testing uses time jumps to move instantaneously from one place to the next instead of you know bending space it bends time and so he wants to steal this so that he can take it back to the mirror universe and reset time uh, and and basically try to make sure the alliance never rises, and and that's the plot. Uh, everything else that's crazy that happens here is is just going on that, and so it's uh, it actually is a pretty simple story, but there is a lot that's going on in here, and there are some things that don't feel like they truly connect. Like I, Leffler's character, her part of the story doesn't seem like it has anything to do with really anything else. Uh, she's just kind of inserted in there. I think it feels more like because that's what New Frontier fans would kind of want to see, the continuation of that story. But she doesn't really have a point for necessarily being in the story. Yeah, this book is more... That kind of storyline in this book complements what the books 
previous. It's it's a bridge then to the next one because it does reveal her being pregnant. Um, so you're right. It really has nothing to do with this story, but in the context of all the other books, it has its place. So if as a standalone, it it is a little odd that that storyline would be featured in there because it has nothing to do with anything else. She doesn't even interact with the Excelsior crew. Um, but, and Dan, I kind of put you on the spot on this. So um, this is Matt, like you said, the mirror universe, there were new frontier stories in the mirror universe books that came out. And I don't think I've read those yet because there were short stories, but uh, in the mirror universe, but I haven't read yet so dan have you because i have a feeling these connect this connects to those too i i really hate to say it but um yeah those stories they're collected in a couple of the mirror universe omnibuses and i'm afraid to say i have not read those um other than the little parts where uh calhoun comes into play in the novel rise like lions by david mack other than that i i don't know a lot about the mirror uh, new frontier guys unfortunately so ugh, i have to say I, I came unprepared for that one i'm afraid <laughs> see i put you on the spot i have the books and i think i may have read one of the short stories uh with new frontier but i don't remember it but i'll have to bring those books out and at least read through them all and and see if it connects with this mm-hmm. yeah i've i've actually got them on the on my shelf as well and and just sadly they're they're ones that i haven't gotten to yet can you believe it? After all these Star Trek books we read, we haven't read them all. <laughs> I know. It's I the don't gift feel bad. There, like when I giving. look at the lists out there, it's it's insane when you think of how many books are out there. So I don't feel bad for not knowing it all. Um, you know, I, I I wanted to ask you guys. You know, for for me, it's a little bit different. So it, I just wanted to ask you. How did you like uh, the the storyline itself, uh, especially being New Frontier guys? You've read the stories. How did you feel like this fit in? Uh, did it just feel like another part of the story? Was it better for you? What did you guys think about it? I think something about it that really surprised me was really how much it just felt like a continuation of the story. Uh, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying about how well these characters are adapted to this medium. The New Frontier novels to me very much feel like like comic book, like pulp comic book stories. And so it, it just fits so well. And I I read this way back when uh, when the novels were still coming out and I read it, you know, in the proper place in between the novels. And uh, yeah, it just it just really continued that story forward and the story flowed. I think I was really expecting something that stood apart from the main continuity so the fact that it continues a lot of those threads, not to mention introducing, you know, a huge revelation in, in this story was a real surprise to me. So I really enjoyed the fact that it really felt like a, a one continuous story through the books and the comics. Yeah, I thought it was going to be just a standalone story like you did, Dan. And it really proves that if you are going to read through all of the books, all the new frontier books in order, you have to include this one. It's maybe not a must, but I think it's recommended that you do because it really fits in with that whole storyline all the way through the the books. And um, as a story of its own, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't like, 
I, I think there's some other books that I've really enjoyed on the New Frontier more so than this one. But this reading this in a comic form made me realize how pulp comic those stories and those books really are. Like you were saying, Dan, that's how those books kind of feel. This made me really realize that, you know what? This does feel like it belongs in a comic. So it would be nice now that we've had more books recently in the past year or two of in the ebook series that came out that Peter did of New Frontier, if we could have maybe another comic in there, maybe a waypoint, something like that. Was, that would be cool. I was going to say, yeah, like half a waypoint issue would dedicate it to New Frontier. I'd be all for that. I, I don't know how uh, popular New Frontier was. I, I don't know how w- widely it was read, but uh, that would be really cool. Yeah. It, to me, it does seem that, you know, Peter David is a comic writer. And as you guys are saying, this seems to work really well in comics. Like, this seems to fit just perfectly for the medium. It is kind of shocking that we we don't have more New Frontier comics because it really does seem like the perfect place to put it. And, uh, you know... Coming from somebody who hasn't read a lot, but I I can definitely just see that this is perfect for this medium. Uh, And I I think what you guys are saying is just right on. And I am surprised that we haven't had more because it it just seems like, you know, a match made in Thaleron. So... (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm sure Peter would say that he's all open to doing more as long as they open a checkbook, he'll be there to do it. That's true. That's true. Well, anything else to, for you guys, especially again, being people who have spent a lot of time with these characters, anything else that really stood out to you in the story that uh you really liked and and you felt like, "Oh man, I this is this is just classic New Frontier" or "Wow, I just I wasn't expecting that to happen." I think a lot of the imagination in it, um, like you say, the story is fairly simple. You know, there's not a lot of uh, of depth to that story. But, you know, some of the ideas I thought were pretty cool and, and, and some of the visuals, like the idea of this time ship um, making these jumps and able to kind of uh, clone itself and, and create its own fleet to attack. And I think at one point, one character refers to it as a... a a fully realized version of the Picard maneuver. So yeah, the ship doesn't actually just appear to be in two places at once. It is in two or more places at once. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff like that was really interesting. And especially with it being a comic, you know, really lent itself to this visual medium as opposed to, uh, something printed. So I think even though the books have a lot in common with the comics and feel like comics, uh, Peter David was able to really make good use of the medium here, uh, even above and beyond what New Frontier would normally be. I think the things that surprised me were, uh, one was early on in the book with Jellico when he was abducting the ship and attacking the other officers. I, you know, Of course, that's totally out of character. So already I was interested in wondering if this was really him or... He's section 31, maybe, or something. So that that piqued my interest to see where that was going with him. 
And the other thing I would say was Morgan Primus, uh, how they concluded her story in here. I was surprised that that occurred in this book. So mm-hmm. those are the two things that I found that were, um, that really were of interest to me. Everything else, uh, wasn't too surprising and it was, I mean, it was an interesting story, but not anything that, that blew me away. I think the interesting thing, just listening to you guys is the fact that they didn't let the comic be something that was just kind of a standalone. They definitely made it part of the new frontier storylines. And because of that, it, it was important, you know, important things like you guys are just saying happen in this comic for the characters that you had been following. And so if you didn't read this comic, you would have missed out on something. So I think that's pretty neat to me that they felt like, no, we're going to we're going to make sure that readers of this comic feel as though they've they've gotten their money's worth as a new frontier fan. And, and make it mean something. And I think that's, you know, anytime you do any kind of media like this, I think it's just really important, you know, make it feel like it's worthwhile to the story. You know, it's Star Wars right now, doing their whole new canon and everything, you run into that uh, problem even more because it's more difficult because you're trying to keep things behind, you know, for films or TV shows or whatnot. Uh, so you might not be doing as much in the comics, but here they... Or, or the books, here they just really, they made a concerted effort to treat the reader of this comic like they were just a reader of the New Frontier series and, and give them a lot of rewards for that too. And I, that to me, that just speaks volumes. Whether you love New Frontier or not, they, they definitely made the most of this uh, for the reader. And that is something that I, I will always praise. Yeah. And I mean, as someone who loved New Frontier, I I really appreciated that. I really appreciated that it felt integral to the story. And and just popping back to something uh, Bruce Gibson mentioned, Morgan Primus, I totally forgot to talk about her just a little bit. You know, readers of the books will know there's a lot of uh, hints in there as to her identity and that sort of thing. And, you know, she looks like a lot of different people who have appeared over the years and stuff. And her voice sounds an awful lot like the Starfleet computer for some reason. And I love that here they just outright, yep, she's number one. She's she's the same person yeah. as was Pike's first officer. And I, I thought that was great. She looks exactly like I kind of pictured her appearing on the bridge. And that was awesome. Yeah, where's the transfer key? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> it is funny because I was like, "Hey, wait, that just that's number one." And I knew, you know, obviously there's there's some parts of the story that I didn't know, but that was kind of fun to have her there. So, well, and there's two other characters from the original series that were in here too, from the animated series. We have Eric's and Emrys. Right. Yeah, she was that's there. right. Yeah, so, that's so right. Matt, do you know how they got there? I don't. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm not gonna, I don't remember all the details, but they it's not that they're like 200 years old or anything like that, but one uh, time travel. What's that? Time travel. Time travel, but separately. They weren't together. She went first and then like years later he like got transported or whatever and they both found themselves on the Trident together. So, long <laughs> oh, story <okay>. short. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a great just as a little aside, one of my favorite scenes in a in a Star Trek novel was like Mares finding herself in the future and then Eric's 
meeting up with her and being like, yeah, same thing happened to me a few years back. Uh, anyway, and they're like at the office of Starfleet <laughs> Temporal Displacement or whatever. That's <laughs> really great. funny. <laughs> well, I guess, um, you know, it comes down to what did you guys end up thinking of? What would you rate this New Frontier comic turnaround? Well, uh, like I've said, I, I really enjoyed this one. thought it was excellent. It was really great to see the characters in action. Uh, so I, I would have to rate this one pretty highly, I think. Uh, as a New Frontier fan, I would uh, definitely rate it, I think, four out of five super secret cloaked Romulan warships. Um, I would go with, well, I, I enjoyed it. Um, not as much as some of the other New Frontier books. Um, it does work well in the comic form. I would say that I would give it four out of five bends of time. For me, it is different and it's interesting reading this storyline. And I think that for me, I've kind of come to the conclusion that probably New Frontier isn't really my thing, but there were some fun parts to the story. And so for me, and I could tell that they were sticking with the New Frontier storyline and they were giving, and so to, to be objective about it, I think, you know, this is to me three and a half out of five oversized nacelles because it, it, it was doing what it needed to do for the fans of, of this series. And I think that's fantastic. And so I, I think it's it's worthy of any fan who loves New Frontier, this is worthy of your time. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, we just realized that uh, if you're going to get into New Frontier, probably the best way to do it is to start at the beginning because that's a very good place to start. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's worth it because you're getting the build up that uh and, and you're getting to know the characters so yeah uh this is definitely a lot of fun even if for me i hadn't read all of it and uh worth my time there's a lot of fun i think to revisit a comic that i remembered reading way way back when and and to kind of get to see these characters again that you know i were a really big part of the Star Trek novels I read growing up. I really like just seeing characters that we read in novels and never see them visually. And we said that earlier. And I would even love to see this with Vanguard. I'd love to see a oh, Vanguard yeah. comic. Yeah, uh, that Titan, Aventine. I oh, mean, yes. the list goes on and on for, for places that we haven't gotten to see these characters. Heck, I'd even love to see some Rise of the Federation timeline stuff. I mean, that would just be brilliant. Um, you know, there, there's or, so uh, much about comics that is fun because it's a visual medium. Or uh, the new DS9. That oh, would that's be cool true. To see yes. That's a great oh, idea. Especially Dan. the space station. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I want T that. Show us what the bridge looks like. Show us what all the. Ah, oh, Dan, I love it. Waypoint comic. <laughs> yes. New Deep Space Nine. Yes. Do it. Do it. Do it. IDW, do... please listen. <laughs> it, it needs to be like a whole two part issue. Like it's both parts of uh, taking place. So you really get as much of the new Deep Space Nine as possible. I love it. Yeah. I hope they're listening because I think that's actually a fantastic idea. And. So glad that it, it's just so much fun to talk about this stuff with you guys. And we get to do that because of the associate producers we have here on Patreon. Really appreciate everyone who supports the network. Thank you, Ken Tripp, Brandon Shamatella, Bruce Gibson, and Norman Lau for choosing Literary Tricks specifically to support 
through your work there on Patreon. Now, we're a listener-supported network, and we need all the help we can get to make sure that all the shows throughout the entire network keep coming to you each and every week. You can just go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how your monthly small donation doesn't have to be large, just any little bit helps can make sure that happens. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. Now, Bruce, when you're not sitting through the worst slideshow ever, worst, and I mean the absolute worst PowerPoint presentation ever known to man, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. So that's the little line between Admiral and Rex. Admiral. That's what that means. That's why I haven't been able to find you. Underscore Rex. I, you know, I just started saying it that way lately, and I'm getting more followers. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe that's working. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, you can also find me talking the wars on the Star Wars Report with Riley Blanton and Mark Herleman. So go to StarWarsReport.com or iTunes and, and check it out. And Dan, when you're not being transported through time and finding Eric's next to your side, where can people find you? <laughs> well, uh, you can find me on uh, youtube.com slash Productions. YouTube's still a thing in this new time period I find myself in, right? Yeah. Anyway. Um, I think so. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, you can also find me on facebook.com slash Productions and on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. And I've got my website where I review Star Trek novels at www.treklit.com. Now, Matthew, when you're not stealing my idea for what to say to you in this very segment, uh, where can we find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter, MattRushing02. I'm, I'm really bragging about me always stealing Dan's ideas. It's fun. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, NRushing. I do the orb here on the network with Chris Jones, where we talk about Deep Space Nine, as well as the general geek show called The 602 Club, where having a blast talking about all the great new fall movies that are coming out we did arrival we did doctor strange we got fantastic beasts and where to find them star wars stuff coming up and speaking of star wars if you love star wars here on the network you can also find star wars a 602 club collection both of those are on itunes and that one allows you to just listen to all the star wars episodes in one place and if you can't get enough star wars and honestly who can? You can find me on Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills talking about all things Star Wars every week. You can find that on the nerdparty.com or on iTunes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.